This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A Athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country, powered by Backcourt Marketing. Eric Cohen and Shane Dale, after a mostly victorious weekend for the uh, men and women. Plus, we have baseball and softball to talk about, in addition to basketball. You know, Shane, there's a lot going on, and most of it is good news. And we're going to have our friend Bruce Pasco from the Arizona Daily Star that's going to join us. But after we're recording this on Sunday night, a little earlier than usual this week, and uh, we had there's a pretty big game at McHale Center on Saturday. And so we're going to recap that. And we might as well get to it in our first segment called Buy or Sell. And that is brought to you by our new friends at Ice Shaker. Uh, that is uh, former Arizona Wildcat football player Chris Gronkowski's company. And the cool thing is, Shane, he is selling the Wildcat Country Ice Shakers on their website at iceshaker.com. Shane, how do they get, uh, how, how do our fans and listeners get one of these cool ice shakers with our logo on it? Well, we're going to place a link on our social media channels on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, let people know where to get the ice shaker that you see here if you're watching on the video. And if you're not, shame on you. That's okay. We appreciate you listening in audio form as well. Uh, so you can get it there. And then also for your first order, there's a promo code Wildcat Country, all one word, Wildcat Country. $5 off your first order at Ice Shaker. That includes anything, not just the uh, the Wildcat Country Ice Shaker, even though they are fantastic. Uh, but happy to announce that partnership and uh, thrilled to be working with uh, Chris Gronkowski and his team. And by the way, we talked to Gronk a couple of weeks ago. So check that interview out. Yeah, he was great to have on. And we'll have him on again soon. And these are legit cool. So, uh, yeah. and I'm not just kidding. Like, these are seriously cool. I had people come over and take a look at my house. They're like, where did you get that? It's like, hey, you can, you can buy one too, iceshaker.com. Yep. Yeah. And we, you know, we posted it, um, you know, after we got these and uh, I got mine in the mail a, few, uh, a week ago and then literally several messages on Twitter, where do I get one of these? So it's not just, not just hype. And like I said, this is the second week in a row, Eric, I put some, some ice water in this couple hours before we started recording still cold. So it really does, it does do its job. And there you have it. Now it's time for buy or sell. All right, Shane, number one. And now I just want to say, I, I to toot my own horn, I told you that Oregon game is going to be close. Like, uncomfortably mm-hmm. close last week even though the even though Oregon wasn't ranked they got blown out by ASU on Thursday we know that uh Air, Saturday's win against the Ducks from by Arizona can be considered a statement win for Arizona buy or sell oh as soon as uh, we start the show I'm gonna go into wet blanket mode I'm gonna sell it Eric look really yeah look we all knew Arizona was going to get a Oregon's best shot. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. We knew it was going to be closer than Oregon's blowout losses to Cal and ASU. But I just can't reconcile, you know, barely beating a team that lost up the road in Tempe to a bad ASU team by 30 points a couple of nights ago. I can't call that a statement win. It was an important win, a, a big one on the national stage with college game day in town. And maybe, and certainly crucial in terms of possibly securing a number one seed in the tournament. Um, and as of now, it looks like Arizona is probably the number two overall seed with the Auburn losing later in the day after those first, uh, the top 16 was announced. But even with the Ducks' best effort, in my opinion, it shouldn't have come down to the final seconds. If Arizona True. had taken, if Arizona had taken better care of the ball, 
made its free throws. And by the way, there's no excuse for not fouling on that, on that last possession. Okay. I'm thankful that Arizona has a freak seven footer in Christian Coloco who can defend the three point lane. Like he did on that last possession. Yep. But I am I'm, I'm celebrating the, the win. I, I breathing, but morally more than anything, Eric, I'm breathing a sigh of relief. I just don't know how you can call the statement win after Oregon has laid the eggs they have over the last couple of weeks. All right. So Dana Altman is the best coach in the Pac-12. And don't forget that Oregon swept the Southern Cal road trip over two previous uh, top five, top 10 teams in, in UCLA and USC at the time. They would have been the first school in the history of the NC, of NCAA basketball to win three road games in the same year over top five teams. Yeah, they like came that. close to doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and if, they had come, if they had come off those wins, then I would be like, oh, it's a statement win. But I just... I, I know how it works, Eric. I know it's the it's the U of A effect, as as, as Kyle Dada yeah. up in Tempe calls it, where you know teams will sleepwalk in Tempe and then they'll give Arizona the best shot. I get it, but man, it, it, you felt it coming. You know, I, I made a the quip on Twitter. It's like you know ASU blew out Oregon, so naturally Oregon's going to be up by double digits by the second yeah. media timeout, and that was pretty much the case. They're up twelve in the in the first half, and. Uh, you think maybe Arizona's going to run away with it the second half? Look again, the Ducks played great, and I don't think Arizona played especially bad, especially no, on, on the defensive side of the ball. You know, the shot Oregon making made, was great. In that they game made some thing. ridiculous shots. Yeah. It reminded me a little bit of a few years back when Oregon couldn't miss in Eugene. Yeah, Arizona it didn't matter what 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 Arizona did, but I again I just struggle to call it a statement win because of, of what the Ducks have done recently. That's all. All right, number two. Uh, this is kind of a cop-out question, but I'll go with it. All right, we saw how bad the free-throw shooting was last night. If you were Coach Lloyd, you'd have your players in the gym practicing free-throws excessively, and I mean excessively this week. Why is it a cop-out question? It's just because it's, it's, it seems like an easy buy, right? So it's kind of like an easy, well, it's kind of like a free-throw. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'll buy it if he thinks it would help. But, you know, it, look, Arizona's still tied for fifth in free-throw percentage in the Pac-12. They're almost 72% for the season. They're currently ranked number 171 out of all 358 Division One teams in that category. So they're an average free-throw shooting team. I don't know if that's something that really has the ability to change between now and the NCAA tournament. I think the best thing Tommy Lloyd can do in late situations where we know the other team is going to foul is get to Bellis off the court because he's the worst free throw shooter in that eight man rotation. And Balo is not great either, but for big men, him and Coloco combined are over 70%. Yeah. They don't have like an Achilles heel in terms of an awful free throw Fair. shooter, but they don't yeah. have an elite free throw shooter either. So yeah, I, certainly something to work on, but I just don't know. It, it, does Tommy Lloyd think that having them in the gym practicing free throws above other things is a priority at this point of the season? I don't know. Uh, number three, and I know this one's probably a sensitive topic for you. Uh, buy or sell. Kirk Creesa is an offensive liability towards the end of games, especially. Why is it a sensitive topic? For because me? I know you're a big Kirk Creasy fan. Oh, I, I love and hate that guy simultaneously. Yes. Like every Wildcat fan does. He made the best play of the night last night and then the worst. On consecutive possessions. So, Correct. So you know the story, Eric, about the fox and the scorpion? Yep. The scorpion wants to ride. For those who don't know, most people have heard it. But the scorpion wants to ride on the fox's back to get across the pond. The fox says, no, because you'll sting me. Scorpion insists, no, I'm not going to sting you because we both die. So the fox agrees to let the scorpion ride on his back. And of course, the scorpion stings him while they're in the pond. And the fox says, why'd you do that? Now we're both going to die. And the scorpion says, I can't help it. It's my nature. Kirk Risa is who he is. And I, that's think outstanding. That's, I think that's a net positive for Arizona. So in fact, I would suggest that this team is more a reflection of Kirk Risa's personality than of Tommy Lloyd's. I think Tommy Lloyd is all he's done is allow 
Kirk Creasy to be himself. And look, Kerr does some dumb things, and, and there's a decent chance that he's going to do something stupid in the tournament, and it might cost Arizona a win. I certainly hope it doesn't, but we could all po- see that scenario play out, right? Right. But you have no choice but to take the good with the bad with him. Yep. And I and and I think Arizona's swagger is one of the reasons they are 24 and two. Kirk Creasy is the swagger on this team. He's the guy who runs the show. He's the point guard. They feed off that. You see that 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 arrogance. Throughout the team, you heard it in Tempe. You saw it when Tabella stands in front of an Oregon player and his teammate, when one's trying to help the other up. They're kind of jerks, but it yep. works for them. Yep. We'd hate these guys if they were anyone else. But yep. I, I circle back to your question about Kirk Reese's liability offensively. Maybe, but I'm I'm going to sell that he's a liability overall. He's absolutely a net positive for this team. His teammates love him, and like I said, he's as big a reason as any. I think that this team is 24 and two. Uh, I'm going to put this one in neutral. I, there's part of me that wants to see Justin Kyrie. Speaking of cop-outs. Yeah, I know. This is a, I totally copped out of this one. Uh, part of me wants to see Justin Kyrie in the game at the end because he's more of a true point guard, ball handler, I'd say smarter player. But Kirk, Kirk Reese is a playmaker. And Kirk Reese yeah. made the, the play of the, the night, a play that we won't forget. Whatever happens this year, we're going to remember what Kirk Creasa did with a minute and change to go against Oregon. We it's will. not the only big shot he's made late in games either. No, he, we're going to for, we're going to forget shooter. about yeah, we're going we're going to forget about the turnover. I mean, we will, uh, but we won't forget about that shot that he made. So yes, I'm copping out with my answer. I, I'm in neutral on that one uh, for that. Okay, number four, buy or sell. Ben Matherin is the conference player of the year. Christian Coloco is the conference defensive player of the year, and Tommy Lloyd is the coach of the year. Uh, are you buying or selling the awards being swept by Arizona? So let me ask you this. If I buy two of the three, would I be selling? Do I, is it all or nothing? It's all or nothing. All or nothing. Okay. Then I guess I'm selling because I'm going to buy the last, I'm going to buy the last two. You're not buying Ben Matherin. Well, here, here, I think Tommy Lloyd is a national coach. Of yes. The year. Okay, I, so I'll give you that. Fine. Let's start yeah. with that. Okay. And Christian right. Coloco app. I mean, he solidified. Yes. Defensive player of the year, uh, especially and he and he comes up even bigger in late moments, you know, like, some of the best players on offense in, in, in NBA and college basketball history make big shots late. He makes great defensive plays, especially late in the game. And that, okay. and that's huge. And we'll talk to Bruce Pascoe about whether Arizona's been better on offense or defense uh, in a little bit. Uh, if you believe the player of the, of the year award should go to the best player on the best team, then yes, it's Ben Matherin. Yes. If you take the records away mm-hmm. and look at who's been the most impactful player on his team, I'm going to make your head explode. I think it's Terrell Brown. He leads the conference in points per game. He leads the conference in steals per game. He's fourth in assists per game. Look, Washington isn't very good. They're a 500 team overall, 500 in the conference. They'd be sitting in last place right now if not for Terrell Brown. So I'm selling, I'm buying the latter two, but I think Terrell Brown is a Pac-12 player of the year as of now. I am selling your statement and buying uh, mine. I think Ben Matherin is the conference player of the year. I'm sorry, but you can't give uh, the conference player of the year to a, a 500 team. You just can't. It's not his fault. This rest of his team sucks. Well, but it, it, you can also argue on, along those same lines that he's able to put up the stats he's he's able to do because he's on a crappy team. Sure, but he's so far above in, in points per game than anyone. No one else averages more than 20, and he's well above 20. Oh, because there's nobody else on his team, as we've seen. And steals. He's no, he's so far above and beyond yes, anyone. The, the, he that, does that, it on both sides of the ball. Uh, Look, if Ben Matherin wins it, I'll be very happy about it. And I'm sure there's, there's other guys, there's Johnny Juzang and others to talk about, too. So it's not just those two. But 
I would lean toward Terrell Brown. I, I don't know if he's going to win it. I'm just I'm surprised. You okay. All right. Fair. Number five. Well, I, I'm glad I have the ability to surprise you every so often. Yeah, that, would, that would surprise me. I thought for sure. All this time he'd been together. I, yeah, exactly. You know, I thought that was a shoe in question. I, no, I thought that was another You were one. wrong. Okay. Uh, now, this one I don't know is a shoe in question because I don't know what you're going to say about this. All right. Number Good. five. You will feel more confident going into the NCAA tournament with Tommy Lloyd coaching Arizona as compared to Sean Miller. I'll sell for two reasons. Number Ooh. one, number one, we've uh, just, you'll, you'll get your, t- number one, we've never seen Tommy Lloyd be the head coach of an NCAA tournament team. Fair. Okay. Yep. That's a fact. Second, uh-huh. I think the tournament is more about players than coaches. Okay. We've seen some of the best coaches in college basketball, including Lute Olson. Mm-hmm. suffer massive upsets in the first round of this tournament. We saw Arizona lose as a three seed in the first round one year and as a two seed the next year. I think they're the only team still in NCAA tournament history to do that. Four years later, they win the whole thing as a four seed. Doesn't make Lute Olson a bad coach for losing those games. Tom Izzo, Mike Krzyzewski, they've all lost in the first round. I think it often comes down to the chemistry and the attitude of the players. And I think coaches can only control that so much. I think this is a team this Arizona team, and we'll talk to Bruce about this as well, that's equally capable of winning the national championship and losing to an eight or a nine seed in the second round. I will give Tommy Lloyd credit if they win it all. I will, I guess, hold him a little bit accountable if they lose, but I think that either result is going to be more about the players on this particular team than about Tommy Lloyd. Great answers. No question about this. I am buying this because of my personal, nothing against Sean Miller as a person, don't know him uh, that well. Um, as far as an actual coach, I started to look at Sean Miller as a choker. The UConn game, okay, they overachieved in 11. They beat Duke and got to the Elite Eight, and you lose to a, a UConn team that won the national title, but Arizona was better that year, in my opinion. Okay, then you lose to Wisconsin two years in a row, and you're like, what are we doing here? And then well, they, come, let's break those games down real quick, Eric. The, the, the charge. The, the block or charge that could have been called either way. I mean, that was a coin flip against Wisconsin the one year. And the second year, Sam Decker loses his mind. What do you suppose? Sean Miller can't go out and guard Sam Decker. I'm uh, okay. just saying. So then, then they had the loss to Wichita State in there, which wasn't great. And then came the one where it permanently, in my opinion, tarnished Sean Miller, and that was the Buffalo game. Got completely outcoached by Nate Oates. Uh, did not have your team ready to play at all. And that, for me... After that game, even though Arizona won the regular season in Pac-12 uh, tournament championships, I was ready, I was done with Sean Miller, regardless of everything else. I was done. I think, Eric, I think that goes more to my point, though, than it does to yours, because okay. I think that that team, and we talked about this years ago, even off the record, we were just, yeah. I maybe mean, we, we were out and about, whatever, Yeah, that that team was a little bit a little clicky, and, yeah. and they weren't the mess together team. And I don't know whether that was Sean Miller's fault. I think it was a combination just of those personalities. Maybe they all didn't mesh. Plus the fact you had all those off-court distractions. And I remember Bruce Pascoe talking about, and other people talking about, there seemed to be a, a, a sense of relief when that season was over because of everything they had to deal with, all the off-court crap, the Mark Schleybaugh BS report, everything. Yep. So I think if you break it down game by game, year by year, I don't know if that's a fair assessment of Sean Miller. Did he get to the final four in Arizona? No. Bottom line, he didn't get there. Nope. But I, I think if you look at it um, game by game, you may see things a little differently. And again, I just think my personal opinion, I think it comes down more to the players than the coaches. Okay. Uh, that's all fair points. Can't argue with that. I'm sure we'll have some uh, Twitter debates about that this week. Okay. The bonus question that you don't know what I'm going to ask every week. I like to throw in one of these. I know uh, you do. I am mildly concerned that Arizona has not lost a quote unquote bad game yet. 
The reason I say this is because you look at Auburn losing at Florida. It's not a it's not like an awful loss, but it's not a great loss either because Auburn's a lot yeah. better and Florida's not that great. Mm-hmm. Arizona has lost two games on the road at Tennessee, who's ranked on the road at UCLA, who's ranked. And probably if they lose another one, it's probably going to be at um, at USC next Tuesday night. Okay, I, I would think. I mean, they could lose to Colorado or Utah, but probably not. Mm-hmm. It kind of concerns me going into the tournament when you haven't had a, a kind of that wake up call. Do you buy or sell that? Uh, I'll sell in the sense that I don't think it's concerned. I don't think they have to lose to a bad team. I okay. wouldn't. I personally wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind Arizona losing a game before the tournament, as long as it doesn't cost them a one seat. Okay. If they lose to Colorado or USC or in the Pac-12 tournament, I'm fine with that. I not necessarily because this team is going to need humility because I don't think that's possible. I just this team is is who they are. But I think that they just need a reminder they're not invincible and they can't dig themselves out of every hole they put themselves into. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing them lose. Doesn't I don't know if that matters or not, but I I think I could live with them losing at Colorado or at USC. I, I think my concern is they lose to both, both of those games. I hope they don't. And I don't think they will, but I think it's a possibility. But as far as like, do they have to lose to a bad team? I, I I don't I don't buy that. It's a weird take. It was uh, admittedly it's a weird it's a weird question. But I just wanted to throw one out there. Think about it. And, and it those I understand you your perspective. I yeah, understand. Think about. It. I mean, you you look at these other teams. Most other teams in the country have lost a game where you're like, mm, probably that's inexcusable. Yeah. When you don't lose one of those, don't you think that's going to happen at some point? Like maybe Gonzaga went undefeated last year, and we we're all like, oh my god, this is the team. And then they almost lost to UCLA in the final four. And then Baylor just whooped him. Yeah. And you're like, you kind of want Arizona to have that wake up call. And Saturday night was almost it. I mean, the Oregon yeah. game was, was actually very close to being that one. Yeah. Well, Gonzaga was undefeated though. So they have tasted defeat a couple of times. They got, they did get, they got embarrassed at UCLA. They had an embarrassing game. Right, no, no, I would say last year, last year in the, in the, in the final. I, I understand what you're saying. No, I understand what you're saying about Gonzaga. I'm just oh, saying, you're talking about Ari- U, U I'm just yeah, talking yeah. About Arizona has yeah. been embarrassed. Yeah. They got embarrassed at UCLA. So they have had that humility again. Maybe they, I wouldn't mind seeing them take one more lick again, as long as it doesn't cost them a one seed. And I would rather them be a one seed in the Midwest than a, than a two seed out West where they have to play Gonzaga. And don't get me wrong. Like I'm not advocating that I want Arizona to lose again. Cause I, yeah, I yeah, would yeah. rather, rather they not. I'm just saying, you know, would it be the worst thing as would fans be freaking out? Sure. Yeah. Would it be the worst thing? Probably not. No. Uh, we're going to talk to Bruce Pascoe uh, from the Arizona Daily Star. Always glad to have him on third appearance on Wildcat Country. And then we will come back in the last segment, make some predictions and talk about the other Arizona sports, plus some n- weird news from up the road in Tempe. This is Wildcat Country powered by Backcourt Marketing. Shane, always glad to have our friend Bruce Pascoe, the ace beat reporter for the Arizona Daily Wildcats for the Arizona Daily Star, joining us here on Wildcat Country in this segment, once again, powered by our friends at Backcourt Marketing. Bruce, you saw a heck of a game, obviously, in person last night and one uh, at McHale Center the other week against UCLA. And my first question is, you know, considering the UCLA and, and Oregon atmospheres were just so crazy at McHale, when is the last time that you remember that McHale was so rocking like those two games? Wow. <laughs> That's a good question because, I mean, I can just remember that it hasn't been that way in a long time. You know, I think that's kind of what jumps out at me. Um, I mean, there's been so many great 
games and moments and, you know, crazy environments, but I think consistently it's been UCLA and Oregon. I mean, I, th- I guess off the top of my head, maybe because I'm, uh, you think of losses being so much more dramatic, they stick in your mind. I, I know they do for coaches, uh, you know, cut when you're covering a team that wins more than they lose as they do. And I, I would think that that one where they lost to uh, Oregon, uh, that would have been, I think, 15, 16. I think Raleigh Hawkins was visiting as a recruit that day. And that was pretty nuts. And they lost that game and snapped that that long uh, home court winning streak they had. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's been years. However we look at it, it's been it's been quite some time. I mean, there were some big moments in that, that 17, 18 season, but there was always that, you know, just that weirdness going on with Alonzo Trier and Aiton. And then, uh, you know, the, um, you know, the, 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 the team with the freshmen in 2019, 20 had a couple of pretty wild days at McHale, but, but nothing quite like this that we saw in these last couple of games, particularly yesterday at Oregon. That was, that was like, uh, you know, it was like old times really. Yeah, and like Eric said, thanks for joining us. Uh, check out the Wildcaster podcast, another great Wildcat podcast as well. We're at it. Bruce is part of that one. So Oregon loses by almost 30 points to ASU. And before that, they lose by double digits at home to Cal. In between, they beat Washington State. Then they go and they, they play number three Arizona down to the last few seconds. Is the final score and how competitive that game was more a reflection of Oregon just playing out of its mind or Arizona maybe playing down to the level of its competition. Well, I think I, I thought you I think you had something on Twitter, Shane, responding to somebody who were saying that they were going to lay in it, laying an egg at ASU means they're going to be tough on Saturday, mm-hmm. and they were. Yeah. And and I thought that too. I mean, how, you guys have been around. I mean, how many times have you seen a team not play that, especially a good team that's underachieving? Yep. Kind of kind of do bad at ASU on a Thursday, and then come in and give Arizona you know, the game of their lives or maybe mm. even beat them. I mean, it, it's happened many, many times. And, and I think what, I think what happened here was first of all, ASU, you know, they're just weird. I mean, they're, they're wildly inconsistent and they play really hard. So you never really know what they're going to do. And they did well. And I think Oregon has underachieved. They're talented. I think it, it just seems like they haven't really cohesively meshed together. They, they bring in a lot of new guys every year. Uh, you know, with different agendas and experience levels and, and, and uh, play a pretty complex defense. And usually by now they've gotten it together. Dana Altman gets them together. They haven't really. Um, so I think there's a little bit where they're just, they got a lot of talent and, and it just, you know, game like that brought it out with them, um, you know, and then in the end, um, you know, they, they couldn't get it, they couldn't get it done, but they, they, they've got talent. I mean, that team was picked, picked second for a reason there there's, you know, they lost some players, but they brought in really good players. And they had Quincy Guerrero was a good player at Syracuse and Jacob Young was a, you know, uh steals leader in the big 10 at Rutgers last year, I think. And, you know, plus Will Richardson coming back and just, uh, you know, uh, Eric Williams, a, you know, kind of a hybrid guy, there's some tough players in that team. Eric and I have talked several times about how, confident and maybe arrogant this particular team is and we saw it again uh, against Oregon uh, Kirk Creesa I don't know if you saw it from your vantage point him hitting the three and then blowing a kiss to someone on Oregon yeah. uh, he seems to lead the way in that in that arrogance category have you come across an Arizona team with this much swagger let's call it oh well I mean yeah well I mean before I was here I mean I've heard stories about like you know the Stoudemire Reeves team maybe had a little bit of that from what it sounded like I think you know, certainly, certainly the championship team, Miles Simon, 
you know, it was somewhat reminiscent of Kirk Reese, I think, from what I, from what I can see anyway, uh, just as far as you know, personality, maybe even a little bit in their games, you know. But um, yeah, AJ Bramlett uh, did say that the, the Miles yeah, Simon, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, that version. Uh, that's that. interesting. He said that because I was just thinking that that was just me, and yeah. but he would know. Yeah. Um, so there, there's that, and uh, you know, I mean, since then. I don't know. I mean, I think that really talented uh, 2003 team with Gardner and Walton, they weren't really, they were just really, really good. I don't think they, you know, carried themselves uh, necessarily quite like this team does, but, but again, a lot of that's crease. I mean, you know, I think the, you know, the rest of the team, they're, they're pretty, it's pretty team oriented. I, I think they, they, they play off of crease like that, but I, I don't think, uh, you know, guys on the team are, are, quite like he is it's it's really a unusual dynamic that he's sort of driving there one thing that Shane and I talked about last week especially Bruce and it happened again this weekend twice is Arizona got off to slow starts and this has been a trend I think we're going back five or six games and it may be more than that where Arizona starts out where they're getting crushed early on and in some of those times I mean ASU is 14 to 1 yesterday I think it was like 32 to 20 uh is this something that that concerns you going into the going into March or do you think this team's just good enough to overcome whatever's thrown at them early on? Oh, sure. No, it, it definitely does. But I think, you know, that they answered that last night. I mean, that's, that's kind of, that was the kind of game last night. I thought, you know, if, if they are going to be, you know, messing around with, with, you know, the, uh, you know, Washington States or Oregon States or whatever. And then, and then, you know, this is the kind of game where it's going to come back to bite them. And they didn't to their credit, they came out hard. I mean, both teams played unbelievable. The first four, eight minutes. I mean, nobody even missed a shot, even, even though they're playing, you know, pretty hard defensively too. It was, it was crazy. So they, they, they did not come out uh, slow. I don't think last night. And so, you know, they just need to, you know, make sure they, you know, they don't get in that, that maybe that second round game where they're kind of lulled by maybe having an easy game the first time and, mm -hmm. and don't really know anything about that opponent. I think, you know, that, that could happen. And, and that, that is why you do see number one seeds lose to that eight, nine team sometimes on, on a Saturday or Sunday in the tournament. I mean, it does happen. So they, they have to be aware of that, but I mean, I, I tell you so far this, so far this season, Tommy Lloyd and that staff's got a, they've done a pretty good job getting these guys, you know, to, to stay on an even level, pretty even keel and, you know, uh, those dips in kind of human nature, whatever you call them are, are pretty rare and usually surmountable. And, and so that, that, that bodes well. I mean, every team to some extent is going to have a, you know, a, a slow start or a downtime against the team. They're not ready for They're you know, they're tired or they're over overlooking them yeah, or whatever. It's but, been a trend though lately. I mean, really, it, I mean, ASU, uh, well, you know, that one was bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I mean, I think some of that, you know, I think, you know, that, that's certainly something I would be concerned about. I think Tommy Lloyd's mentioned that he's concerned, but, but I think, you know, at this point of the PAC 12, all these teams start to know each other really well. And they, they, uh, there's, there's, a, you know, the defenses on these guys are, are a lot tougher. It's just, it's just harder to blow teams away when you, especially when you get deep in the conference play. I mean, you just, you know, even, even Oregon state gave them problems for a while there and they're, they're in last place. And that wasn't all in Arizona. They certainly could have played better. And, you know, I think Tommy Lloyd kind of tried to take the, the blame off his players by saying, well, I tried to mess with the game plan too much. Yeah, maybe he did. I think maybe, you know, but I think the players probably could have played a little harder and that, that that's a concern, but I, I don't, you know, I, it's hard to imagine a college team that doesn't have some of those letdowns. You know, it's just, it's just, again, it's kind of human nature. All right, let's talk uh, once again from a historical context, at least in your opinion. So last night was a phenomenal game that we saw at McHale Center. 
Uh, obviously, we talked about the atmosphere, but in games that you've covered, specifically in the regular season, where does that one stand out for you as one of the most exciting or best? And, and how does it compare to some of the others that you've in, in your time covering them for the Daily Star? Uh, well, that's I, it's it's just really hard to answer those because the, there, there's just been so many great games. And, and uh, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, you think of that. Uh, I always think of the, uh, you know, the whiteout where Derek Williams blocked the shot and um, the, the the game when they I think one of the senior days that later, I think it was later that season where they where Momo Jones left him up in the stands and, and they did all that. In fact, we're talking about swagger earlier. I failed to mention that, that 10, 11 team, that team had some swagger and that was Momo Mm -hmm. Jones. I mean, Derek Williams was really, really good, but Momo Jones was kind of the Kirk Reese of that team. Um, But uh, you know, and there were, there were some, um, you know, really big ones. I think that, you know, certainly that 13, 14 season, you know, before Brandon Ashley got hurt, there was, there was a couple of amazing ones. It's just, it's, I mean, honestly, it's it's hard to, to pick out one or two though. I throw out that, that, that Florida game where they came back down oh, six yeah. in the last minute. I was there yeah. in the stands for that one. That was crazy atmosphere. The whole, yeah, week. yeah, yeah. And, uh, I remember that in Brighton, that was that, uh, I think that was the double header with the football team in a bowl game. The right. Same day. It was just a Both you know, big comeback soon. Crazy, right. Crazy day for Arizona sports. Well, let me ask you about the Arizona's final three road games of the season, starting with this, uh, mountain West trip, uh, against Utah and Colorado which is, you know, no, no Pac-12 road trip is easy, but this one, you know, Utah has been playing a little bit better. Colorado's won five in a row. Any concerns about a slip up on that trip from your perspective for, for Arizona? Yeah. I mean, I thought, you know, I mean, they got past the first test. I thought going into last week, I thought there was three tests. I thought, uh, you know, uh, this Oregon game, um, I think Colorado, the second game of a high altitude trip, against a team that's pretty good yeah, you know young but pretty good and and then uh, the third one of course being yet usc and coming at the tail end of what's not going to be kind of a broken up trip it'll be a difficult week because they're going to fly back from boulder late that night after they play colorado staying here in tucson for two days and then go to la on monday night and and get to try and get some sleep and play usc you know late the next night that's that's not going to be easy and usc besides the logistics of all that usc is just i think is the kind of team that can cause arizona trouble has did a little bit here at mikhail super long uh in athletic and just you know when they when they've had it together um you know they've been really you know they they've really played like a like a top 15 type of team which is kind of where they were expected to be on the border of earlier this year. It's just been, they've been a little hard to figure because their schedule is so soft. But so, so those are the scares. I think, you know, I think, I think, you know, you never know even Utah, Utah's not, you know, they're, they're not quite there yet this season, but I think, I think these, the two, the two games in the mountains always kind of scare you, I think, because the, um, you know, they're usually pretty good teams and, and just again, playing at altitude and at Utah, if they're good and they're not this year, but when they're good, they actually have the second best fans probably in the league. That can be a crazy environment. It won't be this year uh, probably, but they, even then they still have students at Utah that are literally sitting right on top of the bench. So they can really, uh, you know, have some influence there and get into the guys a little bit. Um, And then in Colorado, you have the benches right opposite where the, where the, the visiting team sets the students are right opposite that. And so they can have, you know, they can have a lot of fun that way too. So it's, they're tough environments. And, um, you know, we've seen over the years, Sean Miller's teams anyway, you know, uh, you know, it was tough for them in, in Boulder. So you just never know. And, and that team's been a little up and down, but, but, uh, but again, they're, 
they're pretty talented. They're just, they're just pretty young. I got two more questions for you. Uh, and I'll ask you uh, first about uh, USC uh, and the Trojans might've come even closer to beating Arizona than Oregon did. You know, they were up uh, what like six points with four or five minutes left. Are they, in your opinion, the second best team in the Pac-12 right now, or would you say that's UCLA? Well, UCLA is just, yeah, they're just a little bit in a funk right now. I still think they're better overall just because of the, 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 the talent they have. They're, they're, they're so deep with talent. It's just, um, you know, I mean, not only do they have, you know, everybody talks about the two J and J type, you know, those forwards can cause you all kinds of matchups, but they go deep. Peyton Watson's a, you know, probably an NBA, you know, a really good NBA prospect just, you know, and then, you know, he's just playing off the bench, doing some defense for him and some, uh, some other things. They've got shooters, they've got all kinds of, you know, guys. So I, they just, you know, haven't always been there and, and uh, you know, they had to struggle. Uh, they lost to Oregon, you know, when they didn't have fans in Pauly and they had a long COVID pause, they came back, started to get together and it's been a little, been a little odd for them, but that said, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty close call actually, Shane. I think, you know, I mean, USC certainly head to head. USC's beaten them what five times in a row now. They just beat them a while, and now they're going to yeah. go back and play again at, at Poly. Maybe that'll be the decider. But, but, uh, but that's an, it's just an interesting matchup because uh, you know USC's got those super long guys. They they can play four guys six foot eight or taller, and and UCLA plays one big and and a, a bunch of guys that are six five six six. So you know, it's just it's it's crazy to say. And, and uh, you know, they're they're certainly pretty close no matter how you look at it. All right, my last question for you. Uh, after right after the Arizona Oregon game, uh, Arizona was number eight in Ken Palm in off in offense, adjusted offense, and number eight in defense. Number eight in both categories. Which side of the ball have you been more impressed with in terms of Arizona basketball this season? They're but very good in both. Which has been a little bit better in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I, I take your pick. I, I I don't I don't I I think they're equal. Honestly, I, I know. It's, <laughs> it's a cop out or whatever, but it's honestly, it's equally impressive, but I think I would say in a sense, one sense, I'd say defense deserves more of the credit. Cause you, you know, you, I think this team gets talked about so much, especially earlier this year, maybe not as much lately, but just the offense is what caught you because it was so different and it, they were just blowing people away and scoring 80, 90, hundred points. And, but, but really this team is the defense is really impressive. And, and I think, you know, central to that is obviously Christian Coloco and not only the way he's protecting the rim, but now he's going out and they can, you know, if he gets switched out and has to guard a guard, it's, it doesn't seem to be a problem for him. How I many mean, seven footers can do that? Yeah. It's just a, yeah. it's a unicorn type situation and uh, he's really improved. And then you've seen Umo Barlow improved, uh, especially defensively. And even Tubelis has improved defensively. He got sub out a couple times against Oregon for Pella Larson because of the, the matchups there. Uh, but he's, he's getting better. And then, you know, all, and then those guys are allowing those perimeter guys to play, you know, even a little more aggressively on the perimeter because they, they know what they have inside and uh, it's a really sound, a really sound unit. So I, I, I mean, I, I guess from that aspect, I'd probably say defensively, but they've both been impressive. I'm just thinking sometimes I feel like their defense probably deserves a little more love than their, than it's getting. And, and my last question for you, and it's a two-part question as well. Uh, first of all, uh, Arizona has five regular season games left and then the Pac-12 tournament. How many losses can they afford and still stay on the one line? And second of all, my question would be, where outside of a number one seed in the West, what is your preferred situation for Arizona going into the tournament? 
Well, that's a great question. Of course, it's always relative to what other teams are doing, but I would think as long as there are quality losses, they, they might even be able to get away with two. Like say if there's say if it's at SC and in the final of the Pac-12 championship, they might still be a good a number one. Otherwise, it might be, you know, if they lost at Colorado and then dropped a, you know, a Friday game in the Pac-12, then they might go down to a two or or you know, possibly even lower, but probably not. They, you know, so and and the the interesting thing there is that. If you want to be in the West, you might want them to drop down a little bit. And the only real difference between a one and a two, of course, is you get, you know, you, you pretty much get a freebie in that first game as a one and a, and a two. Sometimes you might get somebody who's a little bit better that can make you work a little bit. Um, so there's not a whole lot of difference there. That, that's the weird thing. Because so if, if assuming Gonzaga, you know, keeps winning, if they drop to two, they're going to the West. If they stay one, they're probably going to have to go to San Antonio. I mean, because, I, I you know, and, and they do things by uh you know uh mileage a lot and right now of course they're probably you know going to be they're probably number two overall with auburn losing yesterday so they would get their their choice to go anywhere but san francisco and that would be san antonio Uh, but even if auburn were meant to bounce back ahead of them or kentucky both of those teams are closer to chicago so they probably still put arizona and san antonio and as far as what they would want to do yeah i would think in fact if i were arizona i would want to go to san antonio no matter what because I think that it's just I, I, I you know, I, I'm really interested in the history of things and Arizona's tournament history in California is not not always that good. Um, they especially in the regional rounds, everybody knows about Anaheim, but they've also lost in L.A. in the lead eight. They lost in the Sweet 16 and in, in uh, San Jose to Xavier. Um, it's just I don't know. There's something about it. So. And, it, and it's equal distance and, and San Antonio. I mean, if you want to get into history again, you know, they, they, they won a final there in 2001. I went to the final four that year. So it's, it's not a bad place to be. It's, you know, and, and fans can drive there just as easily as they can drive to San Francisco or, or fly. And there you have it from the Dean himself, uh, Bruce Pascoe, as I like to call him, the ace beat writer for the Arizona Daily Star. Glad to have you on oh. for the third time. And I'm sure we will have you on again soon. Great wisdom as always. Oh, thanks. 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 Appreciate it. I want to thank our friend Bruce Pascoe for joining us once again. Always a uh, always a great interview, and you learn a lot from him. So uh, very good to get his opinion. And and I wasn't thinking Shane. Just the last question about where Arizona, where I'd like to see Arizona. I was thinking Midwest, Chicago. We talked about that last week. I didn't even think about San Antonio. And, and you start to see these projections. Arizona and San Antonio makes me kind of feel pretty good about things. You know. Yeah, I'd be fine with it. I mean, it's it's not a six be a six hour drive to SoCal if they they play in the yeah. West. So yeah, about the same distance. And you know, Ted Robinson we had on a few weeks ago said that you know traveling really does seem to matter in this tournament. But you're gonna you know San Diego for the first two rounds and San Antonio, same difference. I wouldn't I wouldn't sweat that at all. All right. So for those of you keeping score at home, the San Diego games will be on the Friday first Friday Sunday of the NCAA tournament, and then San Antonio would be on Thursday, Saturday. So there'd be a little bit quicker turnaround. A little, little bit less of a break then. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's not a huge deal. It's like yeah. an extra day or two. Which I, at this point, I don't think is a huge deal, but just want to throw that out there. Okay, uh, let's let's do kind of a quick hitters thing. The women's basketball team had an eventful weekend up in the Pacific Northwest, uh, beating Washington State on Friday and, and suffering a tough one, or excuse me, beating Washington on Friday, suffering yeah. a tough one against Washington State uh, on Sunday, but the worst part about Sunday's game is Kate Reese, mm-hmm. uh, who is obviously one of the biggest stars on the team, went down 
in agony with a pretty gruesome looking awful, shoulder injury. Awful looking injury. What can you tell us about that, Shane? Well, uh, not, nothing more than whatever we all know, but uh, uh, that was that was hard. I mean, not only watching it, but seeing her reaction afterwards was just, it was, was mortifying. We've had Kate on the show a couple of times and she's been great. Uh, and I wish her a speedy recovery, you know, regardless of whether she's back this season or not. Hope everything turns out okay. It sounds like she miraculously she might be back uh, before the um, the NCAA tournament, maybe even the Pac-12 tournament, because uh, you know, it was a clean separation. So uh, dislocation, they, dislocation, dislocation. Excuse me, yeah. dislocated. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's, that's amazing. But again, I more than that i'm just i'm glad that that, that it wasn't worse I, i'm sorry she had to go through that you know we saw how devastated dia barnes was and the washington state players were you know no one wanted that to happen so i'm glad it's not worse than it was kate posted a tweet who said you know she's doing okay and hopes to be back soon and hopes people will uh turn out for arizona's last two uh games of the regular season at home against ucla and usc which are going to be massive uh in terms of seating yep uh, i think arizona is probably a solid three right now on the women's side like they were last season uh, in the course on the women's side, uh, now that we're sort of back to normal with scheduling, it, you get a top four seed, you get to host the first two games of the NCAA tournament. So that would be huge. So Arizona wins. I think if they, if they take care of business to beat UCLA and USC at home, which is going to be tougher without Kate Reese, but if they're able to do that, then that would probably secure a, a top four seed uh, for Arizona. And hopefully Kate would be able to come back for that. Yeah. And I think that's, what's important is we just want to see uh, Arizona get that, you know, be at home in the first two rounds, uh, UCLA six and eight in the conference, USC four and 11, both uh, especially UCLA really uh, falling hard this yeah. year. Uh, so uh, big weekend for the women uh, coming up here. All right, let's talk uh, baseball really went out to Arlington, Texas. Uh, I guess the one thing I want to say is Jay who, I know it's early. It's only been three games, yeah. but they beat Kansas State eight six. They beat Oklahoma fourteen four, and then they beat number fourteen Texas Tech in Texas thirteen to two. It's a really good team, and Chip Hale can't get off to a much better start than that. You talk about great offense and defense. Arizona baseball was great on uh, in terms of pitching and hitting. Uh, their starters they didn't. None of them went deep into any game, but they combined for uh, allow three runs and in thirteen innings in those three games and those three wins yeah. uh, get used to the name uh, Tanner Otremba who? who made some big plays in the postseason for Arizona last year. Okay. He went, um, I do the math right at the top of my head. I don't have it in front of me. I think he was seven of 14, a couple home runs, a triple and a couple doubles in That's those nice. three games for Arizona. Yeah. Uh, so good. yeah. yeah and, and he wasn't the only one, but he stood out big time. So Arizona lost a lot of uh, a lot of power, but it looks like they've replenished it and done some. The guys seem to love playing for Chip Hale. You, you see, there was a clip of him talking to the team after the game. Chip Hale absolutely loves this job. And when we had him on a few weeks ago, and he talked about this is his last job. You know, as long as you know, as long as Arizona has him, this is his last job. He's not looking to move up. He loves being in Tucson. He loves wearing the uniform, and it's great knowing that. They'll have that stability. And obviously, long way to go this season, but they're off to a fantastic start. And I'm certainly feeling better every day about the Chip Hale hire. Well, it's an interesting week for Arizona. They have a, by the time we do our next podcast next week, uh, Arizona baseball will have played most likely six games. They are scheduled to play all at home. GCU on Tuesday, four games against Milwaukee, Thursday through Sunday. And then Dixie State comes in Tuesday. I'd say anything short of five and one would be a disappointment. But this Arizona team looks like the real deal and uh, Jay Johnson uh, good luck at LSU, but Chip Hale <laughs> thus far uh, off to a fine start. Can't, can't ask for much better. 
uh, in his. Well, and, and GCU went, I lost like 20 to one to Nevada the other day. So. Oh, wow. I didn't see that. No. Yeah. Okay. Well, didn't they lose their coach? Didn't Stankowitz go to ASU? I, I don't know. Embarrassingly, I can't tell you that. I just know that they got their butt kicked the other day. I mean, it, no, actually, no. Blue, Willie Bloomquist ASU. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, Bloomquist says, yeah. Bloomquist. I knew yeah, that. I was like, you threw I me off. A, I, yeah, I knew it was a middle infield. Like, did, did Stankowitz yeah. leave? I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, my bad on that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, that should be an interesting game Tuesday night. Good luck to the baseball team. The softball team uh, at home this weekend uh, went, uh, I think it was uh, four and one. They lost two numbers. Yeah, they lost a couple. They lost a couple. Well, this past well, they, weekend, they just lost the one. They right. lost the one, right. They're, they're seven and two overall. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, yeah. They lost to Kentucky. So the two ranked SEC teams that they played, uh, they've lost to, which is was, you know, a little bit concerning. Well, the Kentucky game was close, but I, I think my concern is the pitching because you know, in softball, in college softball, you need, if you have one great, if you have a top 10 national pitcher, you can, you can go really far. And I don't know if Arizona has one this season or not. They have a lot of great hitting. Now, Carly Scoopin in particular is, is had a great freshman year and she's picked up where she's left off. That's not going to be a problem, but pitching is, is a question. Um, and I think Caitlin Lowe's going to do great at Arizona uh, early on. They look like a college world series team. No, but that can certainly change between now and, and the end of the season. So uh, they play a tournament out in uh, Cathedral, California, and they play five games this weekend, the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic. And the last of those games on Saturday, Shane, is against, unfortunately, the number one team in the country in Oklahoma. Oh, boy. So uh, Caitlin Lowe is not, uh, you talk about not getting a really easy start. Thrown right into the fire. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a Lute Olsen-esque non-conference schedule right to, there. To play one and two in your first three weekends yeah. uh, is pretty, uh, it's pretty something. So good luck to the, uh, good luck to the girls there. They have a good, very good team. Uh, yeah. But we'd like to, as Shane said, like to see uh, more about uh, pitching there. All right. Um, before we make our predictions for the weekend, this, this one was interesting to me. So ASU's quarterback, Jaden Daniels, who has been disappointing the last year and a half, two years, whatever you want to call the 2020 season. Uh, he had he made this whole video on Twitter about coming back to ASU and everything was great. And then last week he decides I'm out, I'm gone. We don't know where he's going next. Are you surprised by this? And what does this mean in your opinion for ASU's football program going forward? I wonder what took him so long. I know he, but what's interesting though, is that apparently from what I've read, he was very loyal to Herm Edwards. And so you figure, okay, if he's stuck with him through this point, then he's going to stay. But uh, you see the little video of um, his teammates, former teammates, right yes. in his locker. Yeah, that oh, was. Oh good. boy, oh yeah. boy, yeah. That's that, that, that that's not that that's kind of the opposite of the kind of atmosphere that I feel like um, Jed Fish is, is put together at Arizona. Now, now the wins and losses aren't there yet, so you can talk about atmosphere all you want, but uh, doesn't look good. I, I guess ASU's got five quarterbacks still on on their. Um, on their roster. They got this Alabama transfer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so so that, Dyson or something. There's yeah, probably something. a power five quarterback in there. So I don't know. I mean, Jaden Daniels is a heck of a talent, but that guy just sort of folded in, I think, at some yeah. point. And I think I think that you saw that reflected by how the players reacted to him leaving. So uh you know, I you talked about Arizona winning the territorial cup mm-hmm. game. I was just gonna season. ask you. You feel yeah. a little bit better about it now than you No, I feel you? just like I did beforehand. No, but I mean do you feel even better about it? I no, guess. I feel the no, same way the same? I did because I felt okay. really good about it. Felt really good about it when I asked you the question the other week, yeah. and I still feel really good about it. I don't well, care who's playing quarterback I'll, for ASU. Arizona's winning that damn football game. Yeah. Well, I'll just mention again real quick with Arizona, and we'll do a lot more with Arizona football yeah. soon. Yeah. Uh, but 
You think I, I just was thinking again the other day, Eric, how Arizona came very close to winning more than one game. You know, they obviously NAU, they should have beaten Washington. They should have beaten. They were close. They played UCLA, Utah, Oregon close. They're not that far off from being a four or five win team. So you look at the talent, the upgrades on both sides of the ball, getting a, a bona fide power five quarterback in Jaden Delora. I, there's no reason they can't be at least a four or five win team next season. I mean, I, that might, maybe that's the ceiling. Maybe four or five wins is the ceiling, but they're, they're going to be better. They're going to be much more entertaining. I don't think they're going to have nearly as many red zone problems as they have And the territorial cup game. You never know. Maybe it will, maybe a bowl game will be on the line for Arizona. Buy, buy, buy the 2022 Arizona football team. Just saying tickets or just their, their future. Just have a good feeling about that. All right. Uh, Shane, the final thing we'll talk about on this week's show predictions. So we're recording this once again, Sunday night, uh, Arizona plays Utah Thursday. They play Colorado over the weekend. And then they have at USC uh, on March 1st, which is a Tuesday. We probably will not record our next podcast until after that USC yeah, game. Yeah. So uh, we agree the women probably going to go 2-0 against the Southern California schools. Will Arizona sweep their next three road games? Yes or no? Well, I, I'm a little more concerned about the women now um, without Kate Reese, but I think the fans are going to be fired up. There's going to be a lot of emotion. They're going to have senior day that last game of the season. So I, I'll, I'll predict that they'll find a way to win both games. Okay. Uh, somehow. They have enough depth to overcome. And Kate Reese, as great as she's been, she's, she's the best player on the team. When she's not played her best and only scored a few points, other, other players have picked her up. So I think they'll find a way to win both of those games. Okay. As, good. As, as far as the men, I think the men are going to go two and one. And I'm just not sure which game it's going to be. They're going to lose. I could put it this way. I think if they, if they, they'll, they'll beat Utah, they'll probably get by yep. down 10 points early. Like they always yep. do, but they'll beat Utah. Colorado. I'm concerned about buffs have won five in a row. They're hitting their stride. If they lose that game, I think that they'll bounce back and win at USC. If they beat Colorado, I think they might have a letdown and lose a close game at USC. I think, I think USC maybe matches up better with Arizona than any other team in the PAC 12. Uh, so I think the men are going to go two and one, which I think I'd be fine with because they go two and one. They're still in line for a one seed. They, they win their last two games at home uh, against Cal and Stanford, which they should, that might lock it in right there. Maybe even one more, you know, a Pac-12 tournament win. So I think two and one, I'm just not sure on who the one loss is going to be. I'm leaning USC, but I think it could, could be Colorado as well. Well, remember last time I told you when USC played Arizona, I said that, that game's going to be uncomfortably close. Just yeah. like I said, events uh, you against Oregon. It. And I nailed that one. Um, I think Arizona will beat Utah with ease. I think they'll beat Colorado in a close game, but they'll take care of business. Not really worried about that one. I just, I don't have a great feeling about USC on Tuesday. I I, I just, I don't have a gut feel on it right now. I, I the, the Trojans, the night we're recording this, uh, had to get a buzzer beater essentially yep. against Washington, Washington State, State yeah. you know, and didn't play well for the last 30 minutes of that game. So, you know, who knows what to make of that? I want to say Arizona's going to win, but I just don't have a feeling on that one. So I'm going to cop out yet again in the show, and I'm not going to make a pick on that game. I feel they'll go 2 0 into that game. And if they're, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, at, remember, this team, this team beat USC last year in the Galen Center, and they weren't nearly as good as they are now. And USC was better. So just throwing it out there. You know what? Screw it. Arizona's going 3-0. I was uh, going to say, Eric, you know yeah. what? You asked me these questions, yeah. and you make me answer them first. And you're like, oh, yeah. well, I don't know. Okay, 3-0. Arizona's okay. going 3-0. Got to be close. We're going to have some heart stoppers. Listen, March 1st is when they play USC. Get ready for March because it's going to be a fun one. Uh, we want to thank our friends at Ice Shaker. 
for sponsoring Buy or Sell. I want to thank our friends at Backcourt Marketing for sponsoring not only the guest segment, but the program itself. Check them out, backcourtmarketing.com and on Twitter at backcourtmktg. Maybe we'll even do a live stream. Well, no, wait, the game's at nine o'clock at uh, next Tuesday. So yeah, we... we'll, we'll, we'll do another live stream before the season's over. Yeah, we're going to do another we'll live stream. Another yeah, for sure. Uh, so we'll do that. Uh, Backcourt Marketing, check them, them out uh, on Twitter. Uh, once again, if you know anyone that needs some social media help, especially if they're a small business, Backcourt Marketing can help them out. Check them out, backcourtmarketing.com. And also want to thank our friend Bruce Pasco for joining us. Always a great interview. So Shane, it's been a lot of fun. Should be a very entertaining week plus ahead. For Shane Dale, I'm Eric Cohen. As always, bear down.